You're hearing the Echoes Podcast, and I'm John DiLibretto. Today I've got a two-time Grammy Award winner, pianist Peter Cater. He's been on the show since the beginning, and his collaborations with native flute player R. Carlos Nakai are iconic in these parts. Peter Cater has 14 nominations in the New Age category, but his beginnings were much darker than that category might suggest. I grew up in New Jersey, and I had not a great childhood. You know, my mother was kind of a drama queen. She married a guy who was abusive and alcoholic, and it was not fun. I'll bring you the other side of Peter Cater today. We're also going to remember another pianist, Lyle Mays of the Pat Metheny Group. He left the planet on January 10th. He was only 66. Before we get to that, I want to let you know that now you can fly your Echoes colors high with the new 30th Anniversary Echoes t-shirt. It's a black tee with the Echoes logo radiating into space in royal blue lettering. Go to echoes.org and pick up your Echoes t-shirt today. Summer is closer than you think. And now, stick out your thumbs with Peter Cater. If you don't know who Peter Cater is, it's not for lack of effort on his part. He's released well over 60 albums in the last 37 years and put up 14 Grammy nominations in the last 17 years. Two of them were winners, including his latest album, Wings, which won in 2020. They were all in the New Age category, but as you'll hear, Cater's relationship with the New Age is ambivalent. People have like, you know, like like these new age people, they have their vision boards, you know what I mean? And they like, they put up the house and the car and the relationship and the career and everything that they want because they think they know what's best for them and they think that that's going to help them get it. All the best things that have happened to me in my life, I didn't see coming. I didn't want them. I wasn't, they weren't on my radar. Peter Cater has just finished a live session on Echoes. As he dips into his 60s, he has the relaxed look and demeanor of someone heading into the back nine. These days, besides winning Grammys and performing, Cater runs retreats in Montana and Maui offering yoga, paddleboard, kayaking, whale watching, and music performed by Cater himself. He also gives clients personal performances where they lie under his grand piano and, to quote the brochure, feel the sound vibrations permeate your entire being. That was actually the concept of his 2017 album, Dancing on Water. I used to call them soul readings. It felt a little ostentatious, so now I just call them <laughs> piano readings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't try to do therapy. I don't, I don't even, you know, there's these musicians out there, like these, they, they do like healing music or they do music therapy and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't go there. You know, if people have an experience lying under my piano, which honestly they, they often do, I'm happy for it, but I'm not trying to create it. I'm not sitting here, let me heal you, shower you with love and blessings, you know. I'm just showing up, 
I'm just playing what I feel and I'm trying to be transparent and real. That's what I do in concert, you know. It's myself at my rawest. Uh -huh. you know, I couldn't be any more naked on that CD. Cater doesn't want his music to be lumped in with the sound healing movement. And certainly in the, the quote healing thing, and there's all these music therapists, you know, and they say like the heart chakras and the key of F, you know, and it's like, oh, cut me a break. Wait a minute, haven't you done a chakra album? I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and? And, you know, I, I felt like I'd, I tried to do it justice. Two Grammys in four years, Peter Cater seems to have attained a high point in his career, but it certainly didn't start out that way. Born in Germany, he grew up in New Jersey under circumstances where you might see that music was an escape for him. He may be relaxing in his Maui home now, but he began his music career homeless. I grew up in New Jersey and I had not a great childhood. You know, my mother was kind of a drama queen. She married a guy who was abusive and alcoholic, and it was not fun. And um, she died of cancer right when I turned 18. She was sick for about two years. And when she passed, and it was literally on the night of my birthday, I was sorry for her death, because I did love her. And I was so aware that I was set free of her drama and the life that I had been forced to participate in for the last you know, 14 years, and uh, I was just out of there. I just hit the road, I put my thumb out, and I just wanted to keep going. No money. No money, nothing. I had a backpack. I mean, it's just a classic musician story. I had a backpack with a change of clothes, and I had about, you know, like eight inches thick of music books. <laughs> all my cheat sheets, all my, you know, all the songs, all those pop rock songs that I've been playing forever and a sleeping bag, and I just hit the road, and uh, I just stayed on the road, really, for quite a while. And I, when I was done, I went back and, uh, you know, added it all up, and it was like, you know, 30,000 miles in a year and a half. And I would just drop into restaurants and lounges, and if they had a piano, I'd say, hey man, can I uh, play for meals and tips or whatever? And, you know, I'd sleep out on the beach and the parks on the side of the road, and bathrooms of universities. Gator can still pull up some of those tunes that he played. Can yeah. you play one of those tunes right now? One of those rock songs? Yeah. No. Just come on, pick one. Just pick <laughs> one out of the air. I was going to play Funeral for a Friend by Elton John.
I was going to ask you if you could do any stride or boogie-woogie. <laughs> Cater's story turned because, as he said earlier, he didn't have a vision board with his life planned out. Opportunities just eventually came his way. People just call me out of the blue. You know, Robert Redford calls me out of the blue and says, you want to come play at my fundraiser at the Sundance Institute? I'm inviting everyone in L.A. You know, and I'm sitting there playing for Dave Grusin and Sidney Pollack and Alan Alda. You know, and James Brooks and Redford and just all these people I've been seeing in movies. And that kind of stuff happened to me all the time. Uh, were you doing original music then? Yeah, I was doing my stuff. Uh-huh. Peter Cater also got calls from Broadway, where he has scored several plays, the first being playwright Lanford Wilson's Burn This, starring John Malkovich. It was recently revived with actors Adam Driver and Kerry Russell in the leads. Looking back at his 60-plus albums, Cater can pick out some favorites, but a turning point was his meeting with R. Carlos Nakai, the Native American flute player who put that instrument on the map. Up until about 1990, Cater had been playing and recording smooth jazz like this. And then he heard R. Carlos Nakai. I was headlining, you know, some jazz festivals and I had like a, you know, several top 10 records and all of a sudden I hear Carlos Nakai's, you know, Earth Spirit cassette and it's just solo flute and I'm playing along to it on the piano and I'm thinking, wow, this sounds really sweet. And I tracked him down and it was just this little weird thing I wanted to do. I didn't think anyone would care. And he and I recorded our first album in three hours. It was effortless. It was so close to home. Peter Cater has witnessed the ebbs and flows of music over the last 40 years, but as successful as his career has been, he looks back wistfully on the mild west days of the early new age when his path began. It was innovative and the people around that were doing all that stuff, and I can name the people, like I knew Steve Roach back in Venice Beach, you know, in the early 80s. You know, he was doing it back then, I was doing it back then. I remember when I was like roller skating down Venice Beach and I heard this piano music being the guy had a stereo and he was blasting this piano music. I was like, God, what is that? Because I was already doing my thing and it was George Winston. And it was the first time I heard George Winston and I was like, wow, that's, you know, people do compare me sometimes to George Winston. It's on, honestly not a favorable comparison of mine. I'd much rather be compared to Keith Jarrett, of course, but I know I'm not there either. You know what I mean? And, uh, but it was like, it was support and it was interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Peter Cater has been locked in as a New Age artist, a label he doesn't feel fits him. Although, with 14 nominations in the New Age category and recordings like the Element series and the Healing series, he might protest too much. He views the scene, though, through jaundiced eyes these days. I mean, I feel like I'm following my muse. I'm doing what I want to do. But when I look around, it just seems kind of diluted. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to really get too excited about it uh, in terms of the genre as a whole. Peter Cater continues making music and running his retreats. His first collaboration with our Carlos Nakai, Natives, reaches its 30th anniversary this year. Cater's latest album is Wings, which got him his second Grammy trophy. Peter Cater's latest album is Wings. I'll have a link for it in the posting for this podcast. I didn't talk to Peter Cater about Lyle Mays, but I'd be surprised if there wasn't some influence there. I saw Lyle Mays with the Pat Metheny band several times, and now he's gone. Pianist Lyle Mays left the planet this past Monday, February 10th, 2020. He was the original and only keyboard player for the Pat Metheny Group and co-wrote almost all of their compositions. He also recorded several wonderful solo albums. His collaboration with Metheny, As Falls Wichita, So Falls Wichita Falls, is an ambient classic. Today, we remember Lyle Mays. By most great figures are usually another lesser-known, unsung hero. Duke Ellington had Billy Strayhorn, Captain Kirk had Mr. Spock, and guitarist Pat Metheny had keyboardist Lyle Mays. Lyle Mays began working with Pat Metheny on the solo album Watercolors in 1977 and was right there on the first eponymous Pat Metheny group recording right through to the last one, The Way Up, in 2005. Lyle Mays co-wrote almost all the songs for the group with Matheny, as well as arranging them, but he also released several solo albums and performed with artists like Joni Mitchell, Bobby McFerrin, and Ricky Lee Jones. On the soundtrack for The Falcon and the Snowman, which he co-wrote with Matheny, he worked with David Bowie.
Lyle Mays was born on November 27, 1953 in Wasaki, Wisconsin. He studied music in college, got turned on to jazz, and went off to playing with Woody Herman's big band. He met Pat Metheny around 1974, and they began working together almost right away. He appeared on Metheny's third solo album, Watercolors, and then formed the Pat Metheny Group, recording with Mark Egan on bass and Danny Gottlieb on drums. Right away, Matheny, recording on the jazz ECM label, had a more orchestral sound, and that came from Mays, who not only brought a more classical sensibility to the band, but an increasing array of electronic keyboards to orchestrate the group's sound. Mays also had several solo albums, many in an electric jazz vein, but with that same orchestral sensibility. His album, just called Solo, revealed the well of deep melody that Mays had in him, as well as an expanded approach to the piano with electronic enhancements. Strangely, Mays has been mostly out of music for the last few years. His last recording was a straight-ahead jazz session, the Ludwigsburg Concert, released in 2015. Instead of music, he'd been working as a software programming manager, which seems an odd way for a career to end for someone who won 11 Grammy Awards and seems so omnipresent to people like me in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I got to interview Lyle Mays twice, once in the 80s for the radio series Totally Wired and once in the 90s for Echoes, he was always a candid and cerebral interview. I'll miss the sight of him on stage, his straw-like waist-length hair flying as he hunched over his keyboards. Mays left the planet on February 10th, 2020. He was only 66. Spin up, as falls Wichita, so falls Wichita Falls to hear how deeply textured and melodically nuanced his music could be. This last piece isn't from Wichita, but the last Matheny Group album, 
The Way Up. Lyle and Pat were both listening to a lot of early minimalism. Next week on the Echoes podcast, I've got a preview of the Big Ears Festival 2020. I'll talk with Ashley Caps, and we'll also hear a couple of features on artists appearing at the festival, including A Winged Victory for the Sullen, Mary Lattimore, and The Necks. I'm John DiLiberto. Thanks for dialing up the Echoes podcast today. Don't forget to do your part to help us continue bringing you great music and interviews like these. We really can't do it without you. Donate at echoes.org. That's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. See you next week, tonight, on the radio, somewhere in the country, or online, right now, on Echoes.